0: Welcome to Ordinary to Badass, episode number 357. In this episode, you are going to hear from Darlene Green. Darlene is a health and GHK slash CU and stem cell activation consultant and a retired U.S. Navy commander. So this episode is so good. We talk about how Darlene landed a job where on paper, she didn't have all the qualifications for Darlene shares her experience being in two abusive marriages and the impact that it had on her health. We talk about stem cell activation therapy and using alternative medicine for your health. Before we get into the episode, I just want to share that if you are struggling, if you feel like you're behind where you should be or things aren't lined up like you thought they would and you just wish you were in a different place, that is okay. Okay. You are right where you're supposed to be. And how do I know that? It's because it's where you are. It's so easy, especially at the time of this recording. It's in January. And this is the time of year where everybody has all their goals. And actually, January 15th. That's the date this episode's released. January 15th. Most people, I think it's like 80 or 90% of people, have given up on their goals by now. So you're not alone. If you have given up on your goals, you're not alone. But then also you still have the rest of the year. So just because you had a hiccup in the first part doesn't mean anything. It doesn't say anything bad about you. Just because you have failed doesn't mean that you're a failure. We hear these things like new year, new me, guess what? We're all the same us, right? To an extent, we're all the same person. We can make changes. Yes, things can feel new or feel different. That's okay. But I think just this rat race of thinking we have to be somewhere that we're not or in a different place than we are or get further and further ahead. I'm just going to call it crap, right? We're right where we need to be. You are a badass. You don't have to prove it. Yes, I am all for personal growth and growing and learning and all those things. Cool. Yes. Self-improvement. Cool. Cool but not at the expense of beating yourself up. So give yourself some grace if you've kind of been hard on yourself or if you failed on your New Year's resolutions, you're right where you need to be. And it's still the beginning of 2024. So much can still change between now and the end of the year. Give yourself grace, my friend.
1: Okay, with that, let's get to the episode. Be confident, be bold, be authentic
0: Welcome to Ordinary to Badass. Whether you're ordinary or badass, I'm so glad you're here. Today's guest is Darlene Green. Darlene, thank you so much for being here. Excited to have you on the show.
2: Thanks, Marie. It's great to be here with
0: you. So before we go any further, I've got to ask you, do you consider yourself ordinary or badass? I I do consider myself pretty badass, actually.
2: (laughs) So have you always felt that way? You know, I think I felt that way in high school. I think I did not feel that way in college. Um, I think I felt that way in my Navy career and probably thereafter, actually. Yes. But there was probably a little dip in there when I was in college and, uh, and really a bit struggling and lost and thought I was really smart until I went to University of Virginia. And then I was like surrounded by people that were really smart. So (laughs) I was just like, okay, (laughs) a very humbling experience for me.
0: (laughs) So I love that answer because I haven't quite heard that before, but I think that's life where sometimes you feel like you're on the top of the mountain. Other times you feel like, oh, every day is hard. What do you attribute to like getting your badassery back? Or, you know, after you had those tough times to then going back at another time to feeling like a badass?
2: Yeah, you know, I think it really, it really boiled down to my ability to try and to work hard and to learn and to be coachable. I think that, you know, in the Navy, they throw you into these jobs that you, you sort of sink or swim. You don't have all the requisite background necessarily. You don't have all the training necessarily, and now you're in charge. And four years out of college, I was responsible for 55 people, ages 18 to, 65. They were men, they were women, they were civilian, they were military. And I had a huge budget and six departments and thousands, I mean, 10s of 1000s of customers. So and my boss was in another state. And I was thinking, wow, really, you know, I don't even know the language that these people are using. And I'm in charge of this. But, um, you know, you learn from other people, you listen to your team. You figure out. You listen to your customers. It was a test bed for me. I had already learned process management and process control and customer service. And I think that going in without all the answers actually ended up benefiting me because I could listen and take and put together a great program and team that delivered to the customers and was was very successful. And in, in fact right out of that tour we were told that we were the model personal support activity detachment in the country and that others should model themselves after us so that that actually really did help a lot i went to naval postgraduate school to get my masters and i will tell you that was that was a little hard because i was surrounded by men who who when they took their uniform off said no, I we don't really think women should be in the military at all. And I was just stunned because I had no idea that anybody at today's world thought that. So <laughs> I was like, what? Why? Oh, well, you know, we got the dumbest answers. I don't even want to, I don't even want to waste them. They were so dumb. And so it took, it took some, it, it, probably a year, year and a half before I earned their respect and had to do that by really acing the toughest, Math classes and presenting and and getting the top grades and working a little harder, just like every, you know, there there was Navy tour after Navy tour where I had a boss who didn't think uh, women should be in the military, and how was I going to get ranked number one in this job when they don't even think women should be there? so i I believe that I could work harder and deliver and just learn more and listen more. And so, each time I went to a new job, I would inevitably start with that sense of, "What am I doing? Do I know how to get this done?" and and I changed jobs every one, two, or three years. So did, having done twenty years in the Navy, I would say thirteen years, fourteen year point, I was sort of like, "Bring it on, whatever you know, bring it on. Um, I can do whatever you throw at me at this point." I had my last tour. I was a commanding officer of over twelve hundred people. And we were uh, deploying people to Afghanistan and other places throughout the world and not doing a very good job of taking care of them when they came back. And so helped stood in front of maybe four or 500 people and said, we're we're not doing a great job of taking care of you and your families when you come back. Help me build a program that does a better job and got volunteers, went to build the program, were repeatedly, told no. You, you know, we can't figure out the funding, we can't do this, uh, we figured out a way to do it anyway. And ultimately, that program, reportedly from people that went through it, saved lives, saved marriages, and is still in existence today, this many years later, it's a returning away weekend program. So that was, uh, that was a great intrinsically rewarding job. But I'll tell you what happened when I left the Navy. And for those, particularly women, I think, think that they have to have all the boxes checked, when they go to do a, a new job right and here I'm leaving the navy and I've got a guy working on my resume and he's saying okay which industry do you want to work in and I said well you know I've had medical doctors and nurses working for me I've had engineering teams working for me I've had administrative teams I've had aviation I've had all all of these different I could kind of be in any industry it doesn't really matter and he's like no no you have to pick an industry <laughs> and I was like why do I have to pick an industry well I ended up landing in technology because I had an information technology boss who said, I really need a leader. And I said, look, I don't know the difference between a router and a switch. I've had IT teams working for me, but I did not get in the weeds. And he's like, I can teach you that part. Don't worry about that. And ultimately this was the most unbelievable interview in the history of interviews. So my first interview with McAfee was with the HR officer. And she asked me seven questions. Oh, do you have a strong SAS background and CRM background? No. Oh, do you have 15 years of architectural engineering? No. Do you have literally seven questions? And I said no to all. Of them. I, I met none of the requirements for this job, but I had been recommended by someone and they said she would be perfect for this job. So HR says to me, you know, you have a very impressive resume, but I'm sorry. I just, this, you do not, you are not a good fit for this job. And I said, well, I, I understand why you would say that based on your questions. I hadn't seen the job description, did not know it was a vice president of architectural engineering. You're you're certainly right. I don't have a background in architectural engineering. Um, that's just not how the job was described to me. So two weeks later, I get a call back from the chief information officer who says, well, actually she calls back and she says, the CIO wants to interview you. Apparently there'd been two weeks of infighting where she was saying no, No. And he was saying, I want to interview her. So we ultimately, I get an interview. She begrudgingly sets it up. But she says, everybody else I'm flying in, but I'm not flying you in. You're going to have a phone interview. And it's only going to be 30 minutes. (laughs) She was just so mad about it. So I interviewed with him. And in the end, he said, do you have any questions? And I said, I do. How do you see me as a fit for this job? And he said, you know, I've sitting, I've been listening to all the things that you do, that you do really well. And I realized that my problems are not in engineering and architecture. My problems are leadership and communication and team building and customer service and process management and all the things that you do really well. And I'd really love it if you would continue on the, the path to, to this job. I ended up getting the job um, and the HR was so upset about it. <laughs> they had to rewrite the whole job description and, uh, but I, but I ended up, he actually said to me that I was the best hire that he made and that I was the best leader out of 350 people worldwide. So, you know, I guess my point in that story is if I would have just stayed in my comfort zone, I, I, could, I could tell you, yes, I had been in technology in the hardware network world, but certainly not software. I really didn't meet any of the criteria for the job description, but I did know that I could do the job because it's just work. It's just work and working with people and figuring it out right so it, it was uh it's just one of those opportunities where you prove again and again to yourself that you are a badass
0: <laughs> so good I have so many questions but I think if we're going to hold on for now will you first tell us a little bit about yourself like give a short bio
2: sure so let's see um, daughter of an Air Force colonel, so we moved around a lot and so home is, you know, wherever at the time and entered the Navy right out of college uh, after University of Virginia on a Navy ROTC scholarship and then did my 20 years in the Navy, had three commanding officer tours, then went into technology in the, in the hardware network and security side of the house Did that for a little while till I went to the software side and went to McAfee, left that at the top of my game as after being a vice president at McAfee, I I rolled into um, being a dean of a boarding school, Culver Girls Academy, which is a beautiful and amazing high end academy for students who are all going to college. They're just amazing. My daughters wanted to go there. I wasn't letting my daughters get out of the house in high school. Like, that's a boarding school. You know, that, are you kidding me? So we just moved there with them, lived there almost on campus, and I ended up becoming the dean there. Uh, and, then, and then we did some consulting. And then as soon as I, the youngest daughter graduated, came back to where I always wanted to live again, which was Arizona, and have been uh, in the director of client services role at High Tech Networks and Security for six years. Um, along the way here, I, I and ent- I learned about health technology because my husband was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So I will tell you, I did not marry well right out of right out of uh, college. I married the same weekend I graduated from college, and I married the same. Basically, that was the weekend I graduated and was commissioned, and that was to a a narcissist, uh, and. I was emotionally and physically abusive. So it got out after about six years and the right when it started to get physical. And then I was very nervous about my second husband, but lo and behold, married a narcissist again, um, which who was a narcissistic personality disorder. I didn't even actually even know the first one was I didn't even know what narcissism was at the first one, but learned about it in the second one and you know had it diagnosed and also obsessive compulsive and that was really tough retired navy seal you know we had a 10 year court battle i had ptsd from the court battle and from trying to protect my daughters and it was really tough so the stress of that i think stress of both of those marriages caused several autoimmune disorders for me chronic fatigue syndrome fibromyalgia postural orthostatic tachycardia so a lot of health issues thyroid issues So I had been working on health my whole life just to be able to function. And somewhere along the way, learned, you know, I have to put my own oxygen mask on if I'm going to be taking care of my daughters. And uh, so did that. Well, so then I I was never going to date again. I was never going to get married again. And uh, I was really gifted by this angel of a husband that I have right now. And we've been married 16 years and he uh, is just a beautiful human being but three or four years ago, started exhibiting signs of neurological decline. And uh, this was really, really hard because there was just really no good medicine for Alzheimer's. And even the latest and greatest, so-called, so causes brain bleeds in 50% of the people that have my husband's APOE4 for gene type. So that was not an, an option. So we really went looking for, I went diving deep into research. Uh, you know, I can study, I can research, I can learn, I can, I can figure this out, right? You know, how do I scale this mountain? And everything led to stem cells, everything. And so we went out of country four times to get stem cells out of country. And we had, we had IV and injection and it was very expensive, prohibitively expensive, $10,000. And it was for him. It was also for me. I was trying to keep from passing out with my pots, and I was just hoping that would help. And nothing helped. It didn't help. It didn't help him either. We tried hyperbaric chamber several times a week. We tried uh, ozone blood spinning therapy. We bought an infrared sauna. I, you, you name it. We were trying it. the keto diet, the Dr. Bredesen protocol, um, getting rid of mold, getting insulin resistance, all of the everything that was everything that was bad for you, that was a toxin from alcohol to white flour, to bad oils, to non, you know, anything genetically modified, all that went out of the house and out of the diet years ago, uh, training and exercise with the trainer to make sure that we're doing brain exercises for him. The decline continued. It, it just was really steep. So that really about nine months ago, my husband was a shell of his former self. He was no longer even awake through the day he was sleeping three and a half hours a day he was falling asleep at seven at night we were going to bed at 8 30 so that isn't really you know it was just a lot of sleeping and then when he was awake he wasn't really engaging he wasn't talking he was it was just too hard to find the words or to engage just i think his it was just too hard and what was i think more more heartbreaking to me than anything was that he was no longer even trying to be funny, and funny is core to his personality. That's what I fell in love with. He is hysterical. He's the funniest human being, and he wasn't—he wasn't even trying to be funny. So I had lost him, and we were introduced to a technology, uh, LifeWave stem cell activation patch that activates your own stem cells. And in the first week, he was transformed. He didn't nap at all. He began chatting like a up a storm. He regained his personality. He started talking and being um, just so engaging and and appropriately so, like with it in the answers. I, I couldn't even believe it. And he was he was back to his personality and funny again. So. Then things continued and he actually regained the ability to smell and the ability to whistle and drum to the beat, lots of things. I have no more symptoms of POTS, no more symptoms of autoimmune disorder at all. So just an amazing technology that, that really activates, I have to, I can't actually say it activates your stem cells anymore because the FDA just came out and said that your stem cells, including the ones in your body are a drug, but I can say it activates and elevates GHK. CU, which is a copper peptide, and that activates and elevates your stem cells. So I have to do a little crosswalk dance there. But yeah, so as a result of that, I got into the health technology business as a consultant to help other people to find this. Because if I would have known about this two or three years ago, we would be in a very different place today. And I did research. So I'm a little bit salty that I didn't know about this when there were over 90 clinical studies, there were over 308 Olympic athletes that were wearing these patches in the 2008 Olympics. There's just a ton of amazing benefits for the brain and the heart. In fact, in six weeks of wearing it, your heart becomes eight weeks younger. There's just a ton of of things that it's proven to do. So, so I just, I'm a huge advocate for people really not accepting the diagnosis of whatever disease we are given and not allowing anyone to think that a doctor or somebody who's saying you have something is for sure, or more powerful than you, you know, you really can take charge of your own health and to, you know, when we're, when we're 30, half of our stem cells in our body are dormant and we're 60, they're almost all dormant. So the, the, the precipice is pretty dramatic, but when you get them activated and working for you, now they can heal and they can reverse all sorts of issues, anything really, because stem cells are what made you to begin with. So that's kind of a, a nutshell, big picture uh, of me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love that. And what I really love is it kind of sounds like it's a theme throughout your life that you are Paving, like carving your own path, making your own way, even though people are telling you one thing, you're still, you know, pushing ahead. And it can be hard when people are telling you no all the time. Because, like you were talking about in the navy, they said, "Oh, you can't do the weekend warrior thing. You can't do that. Can't do that." And you still you pushed ahead. How do you? Where do you think that came from?
2: Well, in that particular case, it came from having seen the pain of my sailors. Which, by the way, I don't know that I would have seen had i not gone through my own pain i i don't you know when i look back when i was sort of blissfully ignorant and naive to pain emotional pain or injury or trauma i just think i flitted about life and didn't really notice other people's pain but when i had experienced my own trauma and had gone through the talk the therapy and emdr and all of the different things that i needed to do to manage stress in my life just to survive um, I became much more in tune to other people's pain. And so I really think when I sat with those sailors and I listened to them, I knew they were hurting. And in the moments in time that we were told no, there were stupid reasons <laughs> for no. Like there's this huge cause and need to do this. And there's this bureaucratic little tiny policy or rule that's that's the no, that it's just sort of silly. So we just had to figure out a different way, time after time after time, uh, to make it work because the cause was so great and the need was so great. At one point, we were just weeks away from from putting one of our returning warrior weekend uh, shops off workshops on, and the uh, my commanding officer uh, said. I don't I don't know how to get this done. Like we don't have the funding in in a legal way to do this and you can't go ask for it and you know, there's all these rules. and uh, and we figured it out though. we we've found a way to make it work and we got it done. and and I think that that drive just comes from the bigger why, the deep, deep cause over and over again, the the search for the stem cell activation technology, you know, It wouldn't have happened if i wouldn't have been really looking and trying and and i I could have just accepted my husband has alzheimer's you know the decline is going to be here then this is going to happen just like the path i lost him i'm never getting him back well i just i don't believe in in just accepting i don't i didn't even accept okay you have chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia do you really know what those are do you really know what causes them why do I have this? Nobody can tell me any of these answers. So, so if you don't really know, and you're telling me there's no cure, then I don't really, I don't really need to believe anything you say. <laughs> like, Bye. I'm going to go, I'm just going to go and I'm going to fix it myself and, and exercise and nutrition and stem cells and even algae. I mean, we do pulse electromagnetic therapy. We do a lot of holistic and natural things to be well and healthy. Um, but it started with this, yeah, yeah. I don't have to believe everything you say.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, sometimes we think that doctors are the experts and that they have all the answers and I'm not discrediting doctors because they do a lot of great things, but I also think they can't know the answer to everything. And yeah. And it really serves you to like question it, to be like, huh, is that true? You know,
2: it's so true, Marie, because when you think about it, doctors are trained in medical school, medical school curriculum is created by pharmaceutical companies so essentially doctors are trained how to do surgery and what drugs to prescribe. Well, I don't believe that these things that we have can be cured by drugs. I don't even, I mean, they may even be being caused by toxins and drugs that are in our in our systems. So I don't believe that that's the answer. And I do believe that there are a lot of naturopathic and alternative and holistic approaches that can get to the root and integrative medicine approaches that can get to the root cause of the system uh, that is your body as opposed to this little tiny segment.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know I did health coach training for personal reasons. I just wanted to learn more about it. And it shocked me just how much the food you're eating can affect like the different diseases you have or the different issues you're having with your body.
2: Yes, yes. If a doctor isn't asking you how's your sleep? What are you eating? What's your stress level? What, how how are you feeling? What, you know, all the questions around your lifestyle, then I don't think they really are, are getting it. Um, and I, I hate it when I do get a doctor who is asking that because the questionnaire is like a thousand miles long, but, (laughs) but it does, it is, it is, uh, what makes sense. And, you know, we, we don't have, We have a lot of doctors in our LifeWave company that are um, huge proponents. There's a, there's a doctor, uh, Dr. John Harmon. He actually wrote this book called how to reverse aging, a comprehensive guide to copper peptides. He had a right branch bundle blockage. The doctors told him there's nothing you can do about a right branch bundle blockage. There's no medicine. There's no heart surgery, nothing. But after uh, close to a year and a half, he went back and did a scan and it was gone after wearing the stem cell activation patches. So, you know, I think that people give up. I have a friend who's got a a child with a very rare genetic disorder and she didn't give up. And when she started patching her within 15 days, the child was a different child. She didn't ever have to take her ADHD medicine again. She never, um, she was not able to get her past a kindergarten level, even though she was 16 years old, she wasn't able to get past a, a kindergarten level academically. And in just five weeks, she shot up to fourth grade and in 9 months she's now got executive reasoning of a 16 year old and that is remarkable so there are just my friend with parkinsons who had tremors and had for, since 5 since 5 years old and she was on the patches 3 weeks and her tremors went away you know my sister's microscopic colitis 6 years of it trying antibiotics iv stem cells steroids and all of a sudden 3 weeks and it's gone so You know, I think we forget the power of our own body to heal our own body. We have an innate wisdom within us. And the neat thing about this is there's no drugs in this patch, Marie. It's it's working on the same principle as when you walk outside, your body gets hit by the light and your body knows make vitamin D, right? We know that. We also know it makes melanin for a suntan or, you know, a burn if you stay out too long to protect your skin. Well, that's called photobiomodulation. So if I looked at you with night vision goggles on, I would see light inside of you. And all this patch does is it reflects that light back into your body at a very specific wavelength. And it can be on your outside of your shirt. It can be on the inside, on your skin. It can be turned one way or the other. It's like a double-sided mirror reflecting that light back into you at that very specific wavelength. And there are so many doctors like this one and others that say this is the most significant medical breakthrough in my lifetime and uh, the most amazing product in medicine. And yet so few people know about it. Uh, Although I recently heard Ivory Sully talk about the fact that Tom Brady is wearing these patches, Serena Williams, you can see Michael Phelps, you can see pictures of people that are actually wearing the patches. It's sort of like the red VW bug when you're like, oh, let's find all the red VW bugs and then they pop up everywhere. It's that like all of a sudden you see pictures of people wearing patches and you're like, oh, look at that, who knew?
0: Yeah. So I'd like to go back a little bit. You'd talked about uh, stress and how it can affect your health. Can you dive in on that a little bit? Cause I don't think we really realize how much of an effect it has on our health. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I think stress is, is huge To You know, I think it starts with your adrenal glands getting burned out. I think it does affect your thyroid. I would, I would say thyroid issues were related to my first ex-husband and then chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia and POTS, second ex-husband, and the stress that came with them, the the angst, uh, the walking around on eggshells, the um, the inability to live in a safe environment or protect my children from harm. Those those are very stressful circumstances, and I think we think of stress you know, stress can be good and it can be bad. And it, but daily in an unhealthy way, it's really problematic. And we really have to keep up with the, the self care measures to take care of ourselves day to day. And I will tell you right now, uh, being a care provider to a husband with Alzheimer's, who's basically like an adult toddler. He really can't do a lot of things by himself. That is hard. And it takes every fiber of patience that I have sometimes. And so I have to do some things for myself. I have to work out. I have to get good sleep. If I don't get good sleep, I'm just not a, I'm not a good care provider. I'm not a good, I'm not, I'm not not good for the day, really. (laughs) It's just not good. I need sleep. I need exercise. I need meditation, I need good food, I need a lot of water, I need electrolytes. I need to do these things to to counterbalance stress and I really need to learn uh, my own approach to yeah, that's just going to be fine tomorrow. Like, you know, is it really that big a deal? Am I 10 years from now, am I going to look back on this and it's going to even be a blip on the radar or will I remember this day at all? No. So moving on, right? You know, one thing that I will say Alzheimer's does in your life is it puts everything else in perspective. The things around work issues, the things around, you know, any kind of drama in your life at all, it just sort of changes the scale (laughs) (laughs) Like it's no longer like moving the Richter scale at all. And so I think that, that uh, we all do need to really be aware of the impacts of stress. And there are so
0: many things we can do to counterbalance those. So you, I think you kind of hit on this topic of perfection and how we think we need to hit all the marks or all the milestones. How Uh, do you combat that? Yeah, I was
2: definitely a perfectionist growing up uh in high school and and that's why I think why I suffered in college so so dramatically because all of a sudden everything that I had aced and was was so great at I was struggling with but um but even in the military I would say I was trying really hard to be perfect and always be number 1 and and I did I did that. I did get the number 1 ranking and I I beat the guys in physical fitness tests, push-up for push-up and sit-up for sit-up because I was going to prove to them just probably like a little bit like you have to do Marie in the police force being the only woman, like I, I am not just, um, you know, I'm a woman that's capable of hauling you here or there or anywhere that you need to be hauled. And don't tell me that I can't do this or that I will, I will show you that I'm capable of that. Um, But I think that that some of that just, I I actually was just having this conversation with my daughter who uh, can have a tendency to want to be a perfectionist and just saying, you know, just relax and tell yourself mistakes are actually the other side of the coin for progress you cannot grow and do new things and get better and even transformational growth without mistakes and challenges and issues and you know if you're not making mistakes you're not trying new things and you're not growing so you 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 have to look at mistakes as like part of the path, you know, mistake, mistake, progress, progress, success, mistake, mistake, progress, progress, path, you know, success. So it it just has to be something that's understood. And I will say, I don't think I had that mindset younger in life, but I do absolutely have it now. Absolutely. And I think coachability, like I will hire somebody who's coachable and uh, has a bit of humility, certainly has confidence that they can do the job but not a cockiness and you're not going to teach me anything. I know it all already. No, I would, I, I don't even care if you're better than everybody I hire. You have to be coachable because you're not going to know everything, whether that's about the culture or how we're going to, how we're going to do this, you know, it's just going to be different. So being coachable and being willing to learn and having a growth mindset, Marie, I love the growth mindset uh, by Carol Dweck. If people haven't read that, especially if parents haven't read that, I think We actually made every single staff member at Culver Academy and every faculty member had to read the book, Growth Mindset. And we tested the girls in their freshman year of high school and again in their junior year to make sure that they're progressing towards more and more growth mindset. But we had to learn how to speak in a way that promoted growth mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset. And so I asked my daughter not that long ago, she graduated from the Naval Academy, the other one from the Air Force Academy. I asked her what was, she's a huge reader, what's your, if you had one book that really changed your life or that you recommend everybody read, she actually said Growth Mindset. And I was like, wow, because when I made her read that, she was in middle school. I made her read that before high school. And it was not a real, it's not a middle school book, but she was really smart and has always been reading way ahead of her. And so I'm like, you, you can figure this out and i was changing the way i was talking to them and i wanted her to understand why i was no longer going to say great job i was going to start saying great effort i was going to praise the effort the process and the approach as opposed to the results so that when she was challenged and she failed i would be um we would be able to say wow great learning experience or you know i'm so glad that they're challenging you or whatever it might be so Anyway, um, I was really pleased that that made a difference in our life. And we, we usually, you know, we, we always answer the end of a sentence. Like if we were to say something like, I'm not a world-class power lifter yet, you know, we just add to whatever it is that we are saying.
0: Yes. That's so powerful. I love that. And something you mentioned earlier was about mistake, 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 success, you know, And I think that's so important because it's like we don't get the grit. We don't get the feeling of a badass unless we've made those mistakes and then realize, oh, we can get past it. We can still pivot and move forward. So I like that point a lot. Uh, So something you mentioned before, and actually speaking of grit, pre-recording, you talked about grit and gratitude. Can you dive into that a little bit more and why that's important? Yeah, I,
2: I really love Angela Duckworth's book, Grit, but I, I also just think grit is, first of all, it, it's very powerful and it has a huge impact on everything from your relationship to your success in your job, to your health. And the more gritty you are, uh, the more successful, the healthier, the better your relationships. Uh, so that, and that is something that can be learned, just like I think leadership can be learned and, and certainly gratitude, right? Um, So I love, I love the idea of being gritty. And that, that was something that I was, we actually taught the girls at Culver. We taught my, my daughters and obviously they're very gritty because they got through two very difficult uh, academies. Uh, The gratitude was something, you know, when you look at what can improve happiness, even if you won the lottery, your happiness level spikes, but it drops back down in about a year or two, it's back down to where it was before, as though you'd never won the lottery. And you, you could have um, a limb that's lost in a bomb explosion and your happiness level drops all the way down, but in a year or two, it actually comes back up again. So these things are not changing the baseline of our happiness levels. What can change your baseline of happiness levels and actually lift the baseline is gratitude. And, and it's the most amazing practice because when you when you spend each day, morning, night, whenever you do it, being grateful, for something, your brain begins wired to look at things that it's grateful for in a whole new lens. And you'll, you'll, you know, some days you may have to struggle and say, I'm just grateful for the sun. I'm grateful for the grass. I'm grateful for this tree, whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter, Um, but, but what happens is then as you go about your day, you think, oh, I'm really grateful for that. And oh, I'm gonna remember that I'm grateful for that. And so what you focus on grows and gratitude causes that increase in how you're looking at the world in a much more grateful way. And you really, it's, it's hard to be angry or really sad.
0: So it can up that level of happiness. And when I was, once you said it's hard to be angry, then it froze after that.
2: Oh, it's hard to be angry or sad when you are filled with gratitude. And so when you want to up that whole level of happiness you wanna you wanna work through your gratitude practice. And I like the idea of physically handwriting it or or typing it. Some people would rather type it, but I like the idea of physically handwriting it in a gratitude journal. And I actually made gratitude journals uh for the girls at Culver Academy for Thanksgiving one year, and everybody got one and and they were so excited about it. It, it was kind of funny because I thought this is gonna, they're gonna look at me and think, oh, Dean Green, she's so goofy, you know, <laughs> with these gratitude. We, we taught, we taught them a little course. I taught them what how it can improve them and what it meant. And I, I got a lot of really positive feedback and what
0: a difference it was making to them. And and it was it was really sweet. So Darlene let's end with a tip to encourage women who are in the arena fighting for the life that they want.
2: Yes. Well, first of all. You, you know, you need to do what calls to you that makes you happy that you would do even if you weren't getting paid for it. I mean, make sure you're in a workplace job or relationship that brings you joy or at least does not bring you misery. And if it does, you need to get out of that because that daily stress is ridiculous and will, will harm you. It will... It will, it will ultimately kill you if you don't. So there's a, there's a book called Molecules of Emotion, which speaks directly to the question that you asked around stress creating disease in the body, and it, it breaks it down in a very scientific way. So I think making sure that you are aligned in your heart, in that relationship, in that job, and that you have the confidence and understand that you can do it. Whatever it is, whatever that little thing is that you're worried about not being able to do, it's just work. You can do work. We can all do work. It's just roll up your sleeves and and get the work done. And day after day, you'll put one foot in front of the other. And before you know it, you'll be doing it great. So I think that, you know, a lot of your listeners may not have you know, 40 years of work experience to draw back on. But trust me when I tell you, each one of those challenges and each one of those jobs and whatever changes you need to make to make yourself happy today, those things will make a big difference and you'll learn new skills. And that's awesome. And how
0: can we connect with you?
2: Yeah, I have a, a website called I am Reverse Aging, I A M R E V E R S E A G I N G dot com. And you can reach out to me, uh, you can contact me there, you can email me there, you can dive into the 90 clinical studies, the patents on the stem cell activation patches, and you can um, see videos on how it all works. But you can also just reach out to me if you're interested. Or or on Facebook, Darlene Bennett Green, two E's, two T's, and an E on the end of green. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn.
0: Thank you so much, Darlene. You've been a total badass and I've enjoyed hearing your story.
2: Thank you, Marie. You're a badass as well. And I appreciate your podcast and all your uplifting,
0: encouraging um, words for people all around the world. Oh, thank you. And with that, we'll end the show. To all the badass women out there staying in the arena, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, own it and get after it.
1: Now that you've listened to this episode of Ordinary to Badass, we want to hear from you. Go to our website, ordinarytobadass.com slash podcast and submit your own experience on how you took your life from ordinary to badass and get the chance to be on a future spotlight episode of the show. That's ordinarytobadass.com forward slash podcast. While you're waiting for the next episode of the show, wipe off the sweat, dust off the dirt, and get back in the arena.